This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel. How was Usher? Oh, my gosh. You liked it? I loved it. Mm. It was great. It was great. Four girls went to go see Usher. Good time. Good, just like energy vibe conversation. We got there that afternoon. Went to eat. Went to the show, went to um, the after party, kind of, but like we left. We were like done after that and then got up that morning and came right back to reality. But it was cool. Like, I mean, they did a really good job of hyping people up before the show even started. Oh, how, how did they hype people up? They were like, like the DJ was good. They were bringing women to come dance on the stage before. So mm-hmm. it just, at, it was a party. That's what right. it felt like. And then, when Usher, the way they even started the concert was fun because you didn't know it was happening. And you're like, oh, oh my gosh, there's Usher. It was just very interactive. Tyra was next to us. So that was cool. Who's Tyra? Tyra Banks. Oh. Sorry, I thought I could just call her Tyra and you would know who that was. Jeez. In some years. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Love Tyra Banks. But... No, she's so lovely. And um, 21 Savage was there. He got on the mic and sang. 21 Savage was at the goddamn show. Yeah, oh, yeah at first they, they walked him up. I thought he was he was supposed to sit right in front of us, and then he went to the other side. What song did 21 Savage do? No, he gave him the mic when he was singing My Boo. And 21 Savage and he sang goes, My Boo. My Boo. That's funny. Yeah, I think people <laughs> were talking about that on Twitter. Yeah, it was, it was like everybody's an Usher fan. Shout out to uh, Kenny Hamilton. Saw him there. Oh, Kenny Hamilton was that show? Mm-hmm. What? Kenny is everywhere. Everywhere, right? First person I see when I walk in, I'm like, this. where is the where in the world is Kenny Hamilton? <laughs> that should be a show. I'm in New York. I'm like, God damn, Kenny, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I was just out here, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm just doing it. It's always lovely energy when it's me and Kenny Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm in Atlanta. It's like, Kenny. It's like I'm in Atlanta. I went to R and B night. Shout out to uh to 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 B Cox. Went to R and B nights in Atlanta last time I was there, Wednesday night. And Kenny Hamilton is in there with his whole family. <laughs> when I say his whole family, it's like, yo, what's up? How you doing, man? How you doing? You look well, man. It's me, Kenny Hamilton. How you doing? <laughs> this is my first cousin, Alicia. This is my uh, my grandsister. These are all the people <laughs> that I brought with me to partake 
in this amazing situation. Kenny Hamilton, like, introduced you to all kinds of people that you didn't know that you wanted to know, but you wanted, but you want to know them. It's just weird to be like, hey, man, this is Tisha Campbell. Remember her from the Martin Show? Yeah, <laughs> Kenny Hamilton, Tisha Campbell. Everybody it's come the together. smile that you have on your face right That's now. That's how he is. I know. No, right? I know. It's like, I know. It's like, oh, I'm kidding. You know what I mean? You, you, walk, in, you walk in Delilah. Hey, 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 it's Kenny Hamilton. <laughs> this is Delilah, man. Like, pick a booth. Whatever you want. Whatever you want, for real. Whatever you want. Pick a booth. It's all on you. It's me, Kenny Hamilton. Shout out to Kenny, man. Great, like, literally. A good person. Yeah, he is. And everywhere. <laughs> and it's and so true. Everywhere. It's so true. Everywhere. Shout out to Dixon, too. You know Kenny Hamilton's artist, Dixon? Mm-mm. Really talented guy. Mm-mm. Okay. Really, what really kind of music? talented guy. R&B. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, Was nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, wow. For what? The Beyonce song from what movie? Not this year, but last year. Black is King? Was it Black is King? Beyonce know. was nominated for an Academy Award. Hold on. Beyonce Academy Award. Was it no. it was Brown Skin Girl, right? Oh, with with because Blue was nominated. Yeah, no, it was Be Alive from King Richard. Well, I had the King in it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was Be Alive from King Richard. And Dixon uh is one of the writers of that. Oh. We should have Dixon on the podcast. Dixon. Shout out to Dixon, man. Um, they should have won, by the way. I think. Well that year based upon the nominees that were out there. Well, um, when, well, I guess the award was already, I was going to say, well, when in the award show did that award come up? <laughs> <laughs> so much. Uh, yeah, so um, that was awesome. Birthday. You had a birthday. I miss, yeah. I hope y'all all wish Van a happy birthday. Yes, or well, on Sunday. It was my, Sunday was my birthday. Sunday. The birthday party was at Top Golf on Saturday night. It would have been nice to have been invited. You weren't. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. I know. I wish I could have been there. I wish you had a good time. Yeah, we top golf is fun. Top golf is like bowling with golf. So do you know I've been to top golf like, a number of times? Never played. You don't play the golf. I've never game played. Anymore? Like I've always gone to just socialize for the, like whatever's there. I've never been in the one here. Because yeah. like, you know it started in Dallas. Oh, did it? Mm-hmm. They got them all over the place. Mm-hmm. They got them in it was a, weird for a long time that Baton Rouge had Top Golf, but LA didn't have it. Well, because it started in the South, started maybe. In the South. Mm-hmm. The Top Golf in Vegas. Lit. <laughs> fun times. I've been to Top Golf everywhere. I love really? Top Golf. So, yeah, we had, we had a fun time. We had a fun time. Then, you know, I, I, I ate, you know, I ate food because it was my birthday. It's your birthday. Was it? My stomach, I'm off that. I'm so, I almost brought crumble cookies in today, but I really thought about you. And I was like, am I being a good friend if I bring the crumble cookies? And would you even eat them? First of all, no, I wouldn't eat them. See? Well, then okay. I was I was right. No, I wouldn't eat them at all. But something happened at the gym today. What? I almost got in a fight. What? At the gym. What? It's an altercation. On the basketball you. court? No, on the basketball court. Then what could it have been over? So Parking? No. So Joel is training me. Shout out to Joel. Okay. Who came to the party on, on, oh. on, on Saturday. Shout out to Joel. So Joel is training me. I'm in there. I'm doing my hoo, he, hoo, ha. We, we bench today. I did the bench. You know what I mean? And so there's a guy on his phone. We're training on the cables. <gasps> no. There's a guy on his phone. You can't have your phone on the, the gym floor. 
You can't have, really? You can't be on your phone on the gym Oh, floor. like talking on it. Yeah, you got to take the call off the side of the floor. You know what I mean? These are things. No bags, no phones, whatever. People are not yours. So she, Joel goes over. The guy's on the little chest press machine right there. The little, little thing with the weights on the side. She goes over. She says, look, you, you can't use your phone. It's very, very nice. Very and the guy, get the fuck out of my face. And he waves his hand in her face, puts his hand in her face, whatever. It's fuck out of here, whatever, whatever. And so when I finish my set, I look at him and I go, yo, don't do that to her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't put your hand in her face. Like, don't. Yes, like, yes. You know, the you know correct I mean? response. Like, don't do not do that to her. Don't put your, don't put your hand in her face. Don't mm-hmm. try to intimidate her like that. Mm-hmm. God's like, I don't need anything with you either. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Like, she came over there to talk, and then he stood up, and he came over to me, right? He got mm-hmm. close to me. I was standing right there. And where? And how'd y'all match up? What do you mean? In terms I, of, like, the like tail of the tape? High, yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm trying to be right there in the middle I'm of it. I'm bigger in every way. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm taller. Okay. I'm bigger. I'm, I'm an African. Um, he's not. I already knew that. Right. Uh, <laughs> so he comes up, and he, um, he, he stands in front of me, and he's standing right there, and he looks at me, and I look at him, and I say, I'm just waiting for you to do something so I can fuck you up in front of everybody. I was <laughs> 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 like, like, literally, I'm just like, I'm like, what is this? He's like, oh, it's made of this. I'm like, yeah, you do all that. I'm just waiting for you to do something so then I can fuck you up in front of everybody. <laughs> and, then, and then everybody's laughing. He sits back down. And this is the crazy thing. When the gym people come over, right into victim mode, I swear oh, on dad, right into victim mode. Like, he, did you see what he just did? He just cursed me. He's like, I'm not cursing. He cursing me. He literally got up and came over to, he's lucky he didn't catch one on the way up. He literally, I'm like, wait, what? And I start to laugh. I'm like, are you, are you seriously about the white boy me? And then he goes, racist, <gasps> racist. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then Joel's like, man, just chill out. And the gym people are like, whatever, whatever. Then they come back over to me and they go, apparently he was on the phone with his grandmother and whatever kind of situation is going on. And I was like, I don't give a fuck about none of that. It's not him being on the phone. It's what he did to her. Yeah. Like he he played, he played her. I don't think he's going to be around. But yeah, it's like right into victim. It was so hilarious. He sits back down. like, you hear him cursing at me? You hear him being aggressive towards me? You hear the whole, I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's like, it's so within. Yeah. It's within. can't help it. It's like a switch. Um, it's like a gene almost born with. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened so quickly. Um, were people watching? Was there a crowd? It was please, right. Please tell in me. In yes. the middle of the gym. I love it. Like literally, if you go to a sports club in LA, everybody's up there. It's like the one place where everyone can look down and everyone can see. It's right in the middle of the gym, in front of everyone. And people knew you. People knew it was you. And people know People know me. Everybody's like, man, man, whatever. What, what, what is this? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. Like, he I almost right... want to Google and see if anything came up. <laughs> no, they're not going <laughs> to. It's been funny. It was so funny. And then I went to the basketball court and I there was an this. altercation on the basketball court. Not with me. I Somebody else is a tense Monday. A tense Monday at Equinox. It's going down. Equinox. I wish it would have gone down more. You wish it more would have happened? I, I I just love it. You like you like mixing it up. It's just interesting. Getting it off your chest. You, but you don't want to fight Hannah B. <laughs> what? I've been trying you to set this up for recently. two years. You saw Hannah B? They, we were at an event and we were literally next to each other. Did in you the talk seat. to her? Yeah. She walked over. She gave me a hug. I gave her a hug back. 
you hugged Hannah B? Like this. Did you put Hannah B in a headlock? <laughs> I did not. What if you and Hannah B had like a fight? Like we a fist wouldn't. fight? If you had to fight one bachelor at, if you had to fight one. I'm not gonna there I'm not gonna say you. Rachel. <laughs> You have to answer this question. If you I, have can, to have a, I cannot. Why? Give me something else. Hold on. Wait, wait a second. Say this what the fuck I'm talking about. If if you had to fight one bachelorette. No, because then I got to say why I would want to. And just, I just don't want to get Go ahead and into... tell me. Just, just, fuck, Rachel, see, that's why I'm, just fuck I'm it. sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book, but the book is closed. <laughs> can I guess? Hold on. Let me look. Let me look at the bachelorette. I'm going to close my eyes and not say anything. You can guess. So these are all, so these have to be leads, right? Bachelor, I'm going to look at all the leads and I'm going to see. I'm going to stay smiling with my eyes closed. I'm going to see. These are all the leads. So it's none of these early ones because you didn't really have nothing to do. It's not Trista, Meredith, Jen, Deanna, Pappas, Jillian, Ali, Ali, Fedowski. So let's start. Fedotowski. Fedotowski, Emily Maynard, Andy Dorfman, Caitlin Bristow, Joelle, Jojo Fletcher, Rachel Lindsay. Okay, um, so it's probably somebody after. So it's not Hannah Brown, because that's two on the nose. It's not Becca Cuffrin. It's Tasha. You mix it up. Why you gonna stop on Tasha? It, okay, it's not Tasha. It's not Tasha. Katie Thurston, Michelle Young, Gabby Wendy, Rachel Rakia. It's not Charity Lawson. It's not Claire. Damn, who could it be? So it's it's one of these people. So just let everyone know that one of the people that Rachel <laughs> wants to fight is either Tasha, <laughs> Katie, Michelle, <laughs> Gabby, or Rachel. It's either one of Why them. Why has it got to be somebody after? I know that it's one of them. Well, no, we had a 15-year reunion where I met everybody. All of them. I don't know why y'all just say, okay, y'all want to answer. I'm, I'm not going to push you more. Look, Nick Bio. Nick got a... <laughs> That's your friend. Oh, so you were... I was on his season. You were on Nick Vial's season. Mm-hmm. And then, wait a minute, runner-up. Nick Vial was on The Bachelorette first, and then he was on The Bachelor? Nick was on two Bachelorettes. He was on one... Oh, yeah, it says right here. He was on Andy Dorfman and Caitlin Bristow. Mm-hmm. And then he went on Paradise, and then he became The Bachelor. Let me tell you something right now. Big fucking shout-out to Nick, bro. You had a good time with I him. I fuck with Nick. Nick is the man. I don't know if is Nick a controversial figure of some sort. I think I I you met him at my book party, so you know I got no problems with Nick. Yeah, I think that Nick has created a really successful platform within Bachelor Nation. Like he's mm-hmm. a really really successful podcast. Yeah. Um, and so I think and what he's good about is uh, creating a different voice, and sometimes uh-huh. people like that, and sometimes people don't. So I think he's polarizing at Bachelor Nation, which is what makes him also a great podcast host. He set the record at the at the the three the thirty two hundred meter relay at at. What his are you on? I'm on Nick's Wikipedia page. Since <laughs> you won't really tell us who you want to fight, that's hilarious. It's, it's funny. Um, so look, how did we get here? I can't remember. <laughs> before before we get into the show, because we got to start with the kind of down uh down topic, but one that's very important. Some very important developments happening in in Kansas City. Resort. I watched a very interesting interview. Okay. I watched Stephen A. Smith talk to Clay Travis. Oh. He had him on No Mercy. So, okay. So, Stephen, it was his podcast. Stephen A. Smith podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Clay Travis, mm -hmm. No Mercy. Mm -hmm. Stephen A. Smith was on it. Okay. okay. I mean, Clay Travis was on it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I realized something in watching this. Because at first, it was kind of a softball, milk toast interview. I'll be honest. Are they, were they friends? Was this Sean Hannity? This one, I wouldn't say that they were friends. Okay. I would say that they were friendly during the interview. That okay. they, it was very collegial. Um, and at times watching the interview, I was like, God damn, why doesn't Stephen A go harder on him? Uh, why doesn't Stephen A try to draw out what I feel are some really bad ideas that Clay Travis has? And I watched the whole thing. It served nothing. Like Clay Travis said some things that were untrue that I'm not sure Stephen A was quite prepared to rebut what he was talking about to reply to them. He said some things that um are in line with his his thinking. Uh, and he probably made a lot of fans out of Stephen A's fan base because when you watched the interview, it came away looking like Clay Travis was um, a sort of misunderstood cavalier against the notion of cancel culture and, and that he doesn't really push a lot of the uh, the stereotypes and the ideas that I see him push every day. Can you give people just a little background on who Clay Travis is, just in case they don't know? Clay Travis is the former owner, current head of OutKick. OutKick is a conservative sports vertical that is now mm -hmm. owned by Fox. Clay Travis been around for a long time. He calls himself a free speech absolutist. Uh, but he is somebody that has, obviously he's a big Donald Trump guy. You know, he claimed on Stephen A's podcast that he voted for Obama twice. Um, and he's somebody who, Jason Whitlock works over at OutKick. OutKick is now, I think, <laughs> where Will Kane is, although I think Will Kane is with Fox. So I'm actually Will sure. Kane's with Fox? Yes, I don't know if Will Kane is over at OutKick. So he's very conservative. Uh, Buck Sexton, who used to do a podcast with, with Mark Lamont Hill that I was actually on one time. And Clay Travis took over the slot that Rush Limbaugh occupied on iHeart um, on that particular show. So that gives you an idea of where his politics are. Mm -hmm. You know, he talked a little bit about uh, why he thinks that the, on -on, the shooting of unarmed black man trope is a lie. They got into it a little briefly, but Stephen A really didn't press him on it. And so when I watched the whole thing, it, I, I think what I came away from it learning was that and this actually even goes back to the Acho interview. Is that I look at things in a very straight up way. I look at cultural allies and cultural enemies. Okay. Right? And I wonder if I do have to make some space for people who might not feel that way. You know. Um, and if not make space, at least, because it's obvious watching Stephen A. Smith talk to Clay Travis that Stephen A. Smith doesn't have any problem with him. He has some disagreements with him, but he doesn't think that a guy like Tra Clay Travis represents any sort of allegiance to the status quo um, or a backwards way of looking at things. He doesn't think in any way that Clay Travis, who did the same thing that everybody did, railed against victimhood, railed against woke ideology, railed against woke culture, railed against cancel culture, all the same tropes. And it didn't seem that Stephen A. had any issue with it. And what I'm starting to wonder is how many people 
is it a waste of my time to get mad at that talk? I wouldn't get mad about that specific talk. Yeah. Um, mainly because he's had Sean Hannity on. And so you kind of know the space that Stephen A. Smith sits in. Knowing th- how he's talked to Sean Hannity, knowing the positive, positive things he has said on his behalf, coming into an interview with Clay Travis, I would expect the same thing. I would never expect Stephen A. Smith to challenge him on certain things. I know they might disagree, but I think he, he would come away from a conversation saying, let's agree to disagree and keep it moving. When you say make space... I don't know if, like, we could have, we've talked about having people who have different beliefs on this podcast, and we can have a conversation. And it all, I mean, it doesn't always go left field. Tamika Hamilton was on here. You know, it doesn't always have to go left field. But I don't want to be in a space where I feel like I am allowing, where I can say, it's okay to disagree and you go your way and I'll go my way. Because at the time that we're in right now, I just feel like you have to take a hard stance and you have to call out people who have platforms who perpetuate problematic ideas, racist ideas and mis and disinformation. Yeah. So to me, Stephen A. Smith, in my opinion, had a duty to challenge him and call him out on that. Yeah. You can't you can't we can't live in a space now. Where it's like it's OK to disagree. It's not OK, because look at the type of society that we're living in right now. So. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I watched the interview and I, it, somebody sent it to me. I, I watched the interview and I'm like, I can't wait going, well, that's not, that's not, that served no purpose. Right. It, it, it served no purpose unless the goal of the interview was to make people, was to allow your audience to get to know Clay Travis. Then that, then in that realm, it did serve a purpose. It was an interview as if Clay Travis was just like another sort of, uh, pundit of, of, of any kind. Mm-hmm. Not that he represented any dangerous or bad ideas. Interesting. You said we can't agree to disagree. Um, well, we have to agree to disagree on some things, right? So the question is, what are those things? And what's the responsibility of someone that has a platform like Stephen A. Smith or us in terms of the ideas that we allow to uh, be platformed on our shows mm-hmm. or the information that we then become responsible for disseminating right. in the form of, you know, the the dialogue uh, coming out of somebody's mouth or the, the words coming out of somebody's mouth. Mm-hmm. That then becomes what your platform said if you don't either challenge those ideas right, or right. move them to a place uh, that's more representative of what you think society should be and what you think uh, people, how you think people should be treating one another. Yeah. Um, I would love to ask Stephen A. Smith what was the purpose of having that interview? Because in my opinion, it was for ratings. In my opinion, I saw the way you teased it. Like, I didn't watch it, but I saw how it was teased. Yeah. So, I don't want to say he was big up in himself, but it was almost like this guy has is conservative, has these some extreme beliefs. You know, I'm a white man. I'm a black man, you know, who's spoken out against this, 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 whatever. And we're going to come together and have this conversation. This Something like this hasn't been done. I felt like that's kind of how he was yeah. putting it out there. So to me, that was the purpose, to attract that type of attention. I don't think it was ever to have a conversation like we would have with him if he came on this podcast. Right, because 
I think whenever I'm in front of somebody like that, it feels like a duty that I have to make their ideas look bad. Exactly. To show people just how uninformed they are Mm -hmm. or just how wrong they are. Mm -hmm. Because the fact that they are right is then used to legitimize a whole bunch of ways of thinking that I think are bad. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, when I watched the interview, it was so unserious mm-hmm. that it was almost there was it was almost compelling in how light it was. Like, I, and I want all the things I'm watching this and I'm tensed up. I'm like, oh, this is fucking Clay Travis. This the the blowhard sort of white grievance politic uh, dude that I see all the time saying things I disagree with. This is an opportunity for someone to air him out and talk to him. And Stephen A. just didn't care about that. So, I mean, I wonder if either, I wonder if it's okay not to care. Are you talking about okay not to care because from Stephen A.'s point of view and how he conducted it or for us to not care that that happened? I can't not care. It's just not, I can't not care. I'm... Charlemagne said on The Brilliant Idiots that Van makes a big deal about everything. I do. I can't not care. Mm -hmm. I can't not care. Just the way my brain is wired, I can't not care. But I wonder if for Stephen A. Smith or for the rest of these people, I wonder if I'm wasting emotions on the fact that they don't seem to care. I think you are with Stephen A. because I think it's like we're beating a dead horse at this point. Again, you lost me after Sean Hannity. Like... Clay Travis is like is like a Fox News of of sports. Yeah. You know? So to me, we've already seen you go there. And the fact that you big upped him, mm-hmm. everything else just kind of f- flies by the way. That's that's who you are. I, I expect you to do those interviews. Mm-hmm. I would not want Clay Travis's audience to think, well, I had Rachel wrong. You you should be bothered by me because I'm challenging things that have been put out there to you. Right. I am anti your viewer. Yeah. So you should have an issue with me. Right. Yeah. They won't. Yeah. I saw comments, like I didn't watch it, but I saw the posts that you sent me and I looked at comments that were like, I actually kind of like Stephen A. Smith. He's not that bad. Oh, yeah. I expected something different. Oh, you're talking about Clay Travis. From Clay Travis's audience. Yeah. They were. But both artists were like, oh, he's not that, he is okay. It's not that bad. It's, but it doesn't seem to me that Stephen A. Smith has any interest in interrogating that sort of mindset. It seems like the mindset that he's interested in interrogating is Colin Kaepernick or Kyrie Irving or Jalen Brown or people like that. It's like when it comes to politics, he has this, can we all get along mentality and like once almost seems to want to establish himself as this man who can bring everybody around the table together and have conversation, not great conversation because you're not challenging anything. But I feel like that's kind of how he's positioning himself Mm. as he's stepping a little bit outside of sports. He seems to want to be that guy because you're like, he wants a late night talk show. So it's almost like he's walking the line to be able to, He's saying there's very good people on both sides. That's what he's doing. Well, I'm telling you right now that as far as I'm concerned, when, like, when I look at that, I kind of have to adjust the way that I, I have to take him less seriously. You do. A lot of these people, I, I, I take them seriously. I think that they're, they, they stand for something. And so 
I take them a little too seriously. Like when I watched that, that wasn't anything. They were talking about the Virgin Islands and, you know, how they grew up. Clay Travis used to be a, a lawyer in the Virgin Islands where Stephen A. Smith's people are from. So were you expecting, going into that interview, expecting something different? Because well, it I, seems like you were. What I would expect from a Black man that has a vested interest in the safety and freedom of Black people is to vehemently question and challenge anyone who doesn't have that. And when I say doesn't have that, I don't mean, I mean somebody who doesn't specifically care about uh, the safety and advancement of Black people to the point to where it seems like they're trying to undermine it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I would also expect someone to challenge the worldview that uh, being unhappy or unsatisfied with the status quo of American society and culture is in some way victimhood. That you just want to be a victim if you look around and say, hey, mm-hmm. this shit has been fucked up and it's fucked up for a long time. I, I mean, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, but those things didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering, like, why am I making myself mad about that? I guess that's, if we distill it all down, it's like, why am I, why am I getting all up yeah. in arms about these yeah. guys? that ship sailed. Yeah. All right. Uh, go watch it. It's on Stephen A's YouTube. Tell me what you think. Um, so, tragedy in Kansas City. On the other side of this break, it's the big deal of the day. All right, Ralph Yarl, a 16-year-old black boy, was shot twice by a white man in North Kansas City after accidentally ringing the doorbell of the wrong home while he was attempting to pick up his siblings. This is what happened. It's about 9.40 at night on April 13th. A white man who has not been identified yet. um, Oh, actually, he has been. 84-year-old Andrew Lester is the guy's name. Uh, We'll get back to something that just happened while we're recording this podcast right now, but let's get back to what happened. Um, The story goes from the family that Ralph Yar was looking to pick up his brothers, and he was one street off. He was looking for the number 115, but he went to the wrong block. He approached the door. He attempted to ring ring the doorbell. Uh, he got no response. About two or three minutes went by to where he heard somebody moving around inside of the place. Um, and then he was shot. Uh, he was shot in the head and in the chest. Andrew, Lest- Andrew Lester allegedly shot through the glass. Well, not allegedly, he did. He shot through the glass, striking Ralph Yar once in the head the bullet lodged in his head, and then he shot again, hitting him in his chest. All right. Uh, Lester was then taken to the police department. There were reports that he had been put on a 24-hour hold. Those reports, as I understand it, are wrong. So for two hours, he was let go. As we are recording this podcast, um, he has been charged. Andrew Lester has been charged with first-degree assault, and armed criminal action. Okay. Um, we should say that it's a miracle that Ralph Yarl is okay. He has survived, and people that I know 
uh, have been in contact with him, and they say he is no worse for wear. I mean, obviously, there are going to be some medical hurdles that he's going to have to jump, but he seems to be talking, making sense. He's fully responsive. Uh, he's a miracle. Rachel, you heard the story. Your thoughts? Um, my first, I mean, listen, my first thoughts, you just feel so sick when you hear it. It's just like, it's, it's devastating. It's sad. It's disappointing. But like my, my first thoughts obviously are for Ralph. Then it's for his family. It's for his siblings. It's just for young black men in general. It's just for black people, black kids. It's just, you can't, you should be able to go knock on somebody's door looking for whatever, ring the doorbell and not be shot at. And if that is legal to do, which now we know it's not, he's been charged, but at the time when you're first hearing it and you hear that this man has been taken in, but is back at home, it's like, well, then the laws have to change. And then my thought is, how could it even be considered that maybe that this is, this was some type of self-defense? This fall, fell under the castle doctrine or this fell under stand your ground law, because if that is even a consideration just from a child coming to knock on the door, then the laws have to change. They're too general. They're too broad to where there's even a possibility that something like this could fall underneath it. Then my thought is just like, I don't know, it just, I, I just keep thinking like what it is to be black in this country and how it seems like it's open season on black people, black children. I mean, you can't even go ring somebody's doorbell to go pick up your siblings without the potential of being shot at. I remember I was at a bachelorette party and we were looking for something. We, somebody was dropping something off and I was in like majority of the girls were white in this bachelorette party. This is this fall. And we were looking for something. Somebody dropped it off and we couldn't find it. And they said they left it in the mailbox. We couldn't find it in the mailbox. So a couple of the girls went and were like, well, we're going to go to other houses and look in their mailboxes. And they said, Rachel, do you want to come? And I literally said, I'm black. I'm not about to go opening random people's mailboxes, knocking on doors, looking for this package. I don't have the same liberties and privileges. That's literally was my first thought. What do I look like as a black person? When I walk my dogs, I actually fear my dog going into somebody else's yard and somebody seeing me standing there and, and, and potentially opening fire. I think about that all the time. And it was really on my mind when I'm going to get emotional. I was, it was really on my mind and I can't cry. I have to go to a premiere. Just go ahead and cry. No, I don't want Just to. Just lose it. I don't want to. It's okay. To. Just cry. Just I can't. Let, let I have to go flow. to a premiere after let this. Let the tears flow, Rachel. No, it's just... You don't control the darkness inside of you. Don't control yeah, the emotion. It's not the darkness inside of me. It's the darkness in this world when it comes to black people because no matter how you slice it, that man saw at 10 o'clock at night a black person, a child at that, at his front door. And for some reason, that immediately meant to him I need to go get my gun and shoot him. Mm -hmm. You immediately felt a certain way by seeing a black person. Oh, my makeup. No, don't worry about the makeup. <laughs> the black, the tears you flow. immediately felt a certain way about seeing a Did black... Did you just bring out the beauty blender? He saw somebody black and that was his immediate response. Just mm -hmm. our very being, even as a child, 
you're a threat. And then what makes it even more sad is when he was shot, he got up. I don't know how Mm -hmm. and went to neighbors homes. It took him three different homes before somebody opened the door for him. Mm-hmm. A bleeding black child and people were still afraid to open up the door. That's how we're viewed in the society. It sickens me. It makes me mad. It makes me mad at this world. And I just, and then I also at the same time just feel so helpless. It's like, what do I do other than be mad? What do I do other than just to post about it again on my social media? Us having the conversation, us donating money to I have no idea how the Ben Crumps and the Lee Merritts and whoever else, Justin Moore, are out here constantly fighting in this way. It just has to be so devastating. I'm, I feel it and I'm not even right there in the thick of it. And it's mm. just, I don't know what to do with my feelings. You ask me how I feel. I don't know what to do with my emotions. I'm just so angry that. We as black people, and specifically black children, have to live in fear. They have to constantly look over their shoulder with anything that they do. They mm-hmm. can't just be. Mm-hmm. I'm done. No, no. I Look, Rachel, first of all, oh. never be afraid to mess oh, your makeup on this podcast. This is the <laughs> mess makeup podcast. You got your beauty blender out. It's okay. I love that you knew the name, though, by the way. Because that's Erica's, shout out to Erica. That's <laughs> Erica's family. Erica owns that. Erica and Mila, the Good Good Moms, Bad Choices podcast. Really? Her mom runs Beauty Blender. Oh, my gosh. Her, Erica, her dad is Eric Dickerson. He's Erica. And so he married the, the well, I guess not Mount no Mary, whatever. But like they, you know, that that's a beauty blender. It's I know that because thing. it's Erica's beauty blender. So yeah, when they come on, we're going to have them on. Beauty Blender. So, um, first of all, I appreciate you sharing your emotion and sharing your fear and pain with us. I, that, like, that was very beautiful. You know, like, to just seriously, just in a real way. Uh, the vulnerability was beautiful. And I think, you know, for Ralph Y'all, a kid that is a model student, 16 years old, um, from what I understand, has college offers all over the place. Some in the Ivy League. None of this, by the way, none of this is material to whether or not he deserved to get shot. Right. Um, But it's important that we say it just because there are going to be counter narratives spun by people who are right now hoping, hoping that they can criminalize or dirty this young man's name in some way. And the reason why they're hoping that is they don't want the thing that we know to be true, to be true. See this everywhere. One of my homies that's 2A posted something about Ralph Yarl, about how the guy needs to be arrested. And I went and looked in his comments. Everybody is like, you don't know how many break-ins there have been in the area. You don't know. We need to wait and all of this stuff. And we do need to go off information in this situation. But to see people saying castle doctrine means, and we'll talk about castle jo- doctrine in a second, that if this man felt any sort of threat at all, that he could shoot this kid. That stand your ground means that if this man uh, felt any threat at all, that he could shoot this kid. So I'm going to let you guys know, the door was closed. He shot through the door, mm-hmm. according to the reports. Mm-hmm. Broke the glass. The glass might have shattered the bullets or altered their path. 
and actually helped save this young man's life. Okay. He shot through the door. Uh, there doesn't seem to be here any reason why this man would have been threatened. Mm-mm. All right. This is what I'll say. From what I understand, this area that this happened in is an area called God, God's Country. They're in Kansas, Kansas City, and they call it that because there are a lot of retired police officers and different people that live there. It's a pretty white area. It's a decent Who neighborhood. Who calls it God's Country? They call it God's Country. They call it God's Country. It's like a, it's like that's the nickname of the neighborhood or whatever. Okay. I've talked to some people here. Um, so, we were having a conversation about the cookout. Right? Yes. We're having a conversation about the cookout. The cookout is, of course, this uh, imaginary cookout (laughs) that Black people are having in perpetuity. And we're trying to decide which white people to invite to this cookout. Because we want some good white people to be at the cookout. Like, Torre posted, which white people do we think can come to the cookout? And I said, none. The cookout shit has to stop. And that elicited all types of different responses from people. Did he respond back? Tori didn't respond. Um, I'll tell you why I feel like that and how it connects to what we're talking about. Black people, since we've come to America, in my opinion, since we were brought to America, have been trying to figure out how to live with white people. Absolutely. We've been figuring out how to exist, breathe, and live with white people. It's a society that white people created for themselves. They said it was for everyone, but they lied. Um, And we've been trying to figure out where we fit into that. And we're also fighting for the recognition of our contributions to that society. See, they actually didn't invent or build anything. It was we, and it always has been we, and we've always had a stake in this. But even still, we're trying to figure out how we live with white people. There were thoughts that, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to set up all of these different towns where we control our dollars, where we control um, our schools, um, where we control our culture. We tried to do that. White people said no. They said no. They said, if you have something and it is beneficial to you and it's for you and by you, if we don't like it, we'll just come kill you. Hmm. We bought land. We have farms. And we're existing in America the way we thought we should have. White people said no. White America said no. They used terrorism and usury to take the land that we had. We went out and we decided that we would move into neighborhoods where white people were. White people said no. And I'm sorry the feelings that this is going to hurt. White people said no. They said, we are going to redline you. We are going to stop you from buying homes where we are. We are going to move out of places in the city 
depressing the value of those places, build new places that you can't come. And all the other places where you still are, we're going to make sure that those places stay duly fucked up by underdeveloping them, making sure that they're under-resourced. So any time that we, as Black people, try to figure out how we work with white people, white people say no. Right. That's because they're not trying to figure that out. This is a fact. What white America is trying to figure out and has always tried to figure out is how to exploit and kill black people. And I'm sorry that that is such a tough thing for people to hear. But America has always been a place where it has been inherently dangerous to be black. Like, I'm not talking about just like, I'm talking about an inherent danger to be black. Every part of it. And what's the danger from? The danger is from systems and cultural ideas that are there to kill you. We don't like to talk about this in the way that it actually is. We don't like to say that white America tries to kill black America because it seems like this gigantic statement to make and that you're indicting all of these people. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry to say that that's the reality. So all of us sitting right here, if a white man knocks on our door at 940 at night, there isn't a thought to kill him. Right. And that's interesting because the reality is that if we're looking at the entire existence of who we are, we should. The entire existence of who we are says this person probably means you harm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But America has decided and always has decided that black people are dangerous. Mm-hmm. So when a kid shows up to your door and you have a gun and you open fire on him, what you're really doing is the same thing that your father, your father's father, his father, and everybody has always done. You're killing niggas. And one thing that we've always come to understand is it doesn't matter the reason. Because if there's not a reason to kill a nigga in America, they'll make one up. Hmm. If there's not a reason to exploit a nigga in America, they'll make one up. Or they'll use what they already have and they'll twist it to make it make sense. You're going to hear every single narrative about this guy. You're going to hear this guy senile. You're going to hear that he's 84, that he's crotchety. You're going to hear that he he lives in fear of a rising crime epidemic that that exists in Kansas City of some sort. You're going to hear everything. But what you're not going to hear is that this person has an idea that's been reinforced through generations of programming about what and who black people are. Mm -hmm. And that that idea has been purposefully and intently put into the brains of not just white people, but black people too. That's why we create imaginary parties and we try to decide which white people can come to the parties. 
because we don't want to believe that as a group that they're trying to kill us. Hmm. We're desperate to live safely and harmoniously in America. We want it so badly that, that we want to believe so fervently that there's some of them that we're just going to be okay around who are going to shoot us when we knock at the door. And what I'm telling people is stop. Understand the danger that's in front of you. Understand what this country has meant to you. Under what, understand what this country has meant for you. And then go at the heart of the problem. You're mad, you're upset, you're uh, emotional, so am I. People sent me this story for three days and I wouldn't click on it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't click on it. All I, I saw was a picture of a young man holding the saxophone and then next to that young man, him being in the hospital. I didn't want to do it again. Yeah. But you can't have it both ways. Right. Either we're living in a country where a guy sees a black guy at his door and he says, target practice or not. And when the reaction to this is as many excuses being made for, uh, what's this guy's name? Andrew? For yes, Andrew, Andrew Lester as possible? Don't get upset about that either. Just remember, since you've come here, the country has been trying to kill you unless you can sing or dance. And that's a fucking fact. Or play sport. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just that's just dancing with a ball. But <laughs> but in, in, unless you can sing or dance, the country has been trying to kill you. Every part of you is overcoming, is surviving. Every single part of you. This young man survived. Um, I'm happy that he survived. But what I've struggled with is what God is trying to tell me here. Mm-hmm. Like, to Ralph's family, I am overjoyed, overjoyed that you get to have your baby, that your son gets to grow up, that he gets to still go to college, that he gets to still uh, go out there and conquer the world in a way that Breonna Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, all of these people don't. Yeah. That he gets to live on. What is God trying to tell me? Like, what, what lesson am I to learn from this? And we don't, there's no points for pretending like things aren't the way they are. Castle Doctrine in Mississippi, in Mississippi, in Missouri. If a person believes there's risk of death or serious physical injury, and they are legally allowed to be in the place they are, that person can use deadly force to defend themselves or others without breaking the law. They do not have a legal duty to retreat from an altercation. That's according to Missouri law. They do have to prove that they were acting in self-defense. According to Missouri criminal defense attorney, Kevin Jamison, you can't just shoot people who come to your door. Uh, In order to prove that you are acting in self-defense. There are three main elements that might that are involved here. Um, jeopardy, ability, and means. First off, 
uh, is the person being placed in jeopardy? Does the person making the threats have the ability to carry out the threat? And third, does he have the means to carry out the threat? So it seems like in this case, just to make everybody aware of, of the guts of it, is that in order to get off, um, Andrew Lester would have to demonstrate that Ralph Yarl was an imminent threat to him, that this threat was understood and announced, and that he had the means to carry this threat out. There's no indication right now that Ralph Yarl was armed, that he announced the threat, or that he posed the threat. Uh, we haven't heard or seen anything that would make anyone believe, reasonable believe, that this was in any way um, something that needed to take place. The bottom line is, this kid got shot because he was black. Hands down. Y'all can keep fucking around and pussyfoot if you want. The reality is, this country don't do nothing better than killing niggas. And that's a fact. And the reason why I'm saying it that way is because that's how they think it. We're going to have Lee Merritt on the podcast on uh, Thursday. Lee Merritt and Ben Crump are representing the family. We hope to learn more. Before you do that, I just want to say something. Okay. You talked about staying your ground laws in Missouri. You talked about the Castle Doctrine. And I just want to say the way that the law is written, I mentioned this, but you need to understand this. It is so broad when it comes to what you deem as unlawful force, and that is particular to each person. And there's no definition of it in the law. So it could be anything, whatever you think is unlawful force, and you felt that there was a certain threat or the ability, as you mentioned, or that your life was in some sort of jeopardy, then you determine what that unlawful force is. That could fit understand your ground laws. And what people need to understand is that that law, we have lost so many people who have, let me say this correctly, we have lost black people where white people have used stand your ground laws to kill them. It happens over and over and over again. And as you're voting for people in your local state legislatures nationally, you need to understand that this is a law that doesn't need to exist. And if it continues to exist, it needs to be properly defined because too many people are getting away with killing black people understand your ground law because it's so broad mm. it is what kyle rittenhouse used when he went to hunt people at a protest yeah. it shouldn't be that way and we need to speak out to get that law changed every multiple states have it some states are worse than others missouri where this happened is one of the worst mm. it's too broad mm. there you go uh we're gonna take a break on the other side of this more stuff. Did you see Beef? I did see Beef. I have not, and I've been wanting to see it. It's a really good show. Well, now I feel like I can't support it. Can't support Beef. Okay, so let's talk about it. Beef star David Cho. He had an interview claiming he sexually assaulted a black massage therapist. He plays Isaac in the show, The Cousin. A very funny character. Um, This was an interview with investigative journalist Aurora Bogato, and he admitted to touching a female masseuse without her consent. Wait, she didn't do the interview. She didn't do the interview. It was a podcast back from like 2014 that he had. Okay. She posted it. There you go. 
Okay, cool. Um, so in this clip, Cho admitted to touching a female masseuse without her consent and forcing her to perform oral sex on him. He also said he became aroused as he continued telling the story with other co-hosts on the show. All right, uh, run the clip. But the thrill of possibly going to jail, you know, the, excites you. That's what got. That's right. what achieved the erection quest. The getting the Ew, thing. Ew! You're basically telling us that you're a rapist now, and the only way to get your d really hard is rape. Yeah. Huge. D what the d is wrong with you guys? Huge, huge real. D Who cares what she looks like? Dave is telling us he's a rapist. <laughs> Uh, a successful. What did she look like? How long was her hair? A successful rapist. Well, what, 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 what do you do with that? I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's it like, you know, guys, <laughs> um, you know, guys, what do you do with that? Well, I'll tell you what you should have done with it. We shouldn't even be talking about David Cho because David Cho shouldn't be employed by anybody after making such despicable. He's a sick fuck. And if you don't understand the context of it, he was getting a massage from a black woman and made her, tried to get her to jack him off, tried to get her to spit on his dick when she said no. And then that she didn't want to kiss it. He took her head and forced her down on it. And then this, what you just heard was the aftermath of that. He goes on in other clips to talk about having sex with minors and how it's okay. And we shouldn't have an issue with the fact that his co-host, if she wanted to have sex with a 13-year-old, she was giving a hypothetical situation. The fact that that happened, the clip you just heard happen, he has been called out prior to this. And do you know what his defense was? He said, it was just bad storytelling. He said, it was a misinterpretation and it was just a story and it was not a representation of reality. And people let that slide and he got away with it. And then what does he go on to do now? He goes on to do this TV series and you know who has not said anything to my understanding? Ashley, check me if that's different as of now. But as we do this podcast, Ali Wong hasn't said anything. Steven Yoon hasn't said anything. Yeah, but that's not their responsibility to say something about As it, a woman, as a woman, to hear that your co castmate glorified raping a woman. I'm not saying it's her responsibility to say, like, she might not have known that he said this before. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. The information is out now. As a woman, how are you not so completely disgusted and so upset buy it that you haven't said anything and it makes me feel it's a black woman let's just be honest it's a black woman it makes me feel if the woman looked a different way that maybe he wouldn't have gotten as far as he has in Hollywood maybe people would have taken this more seriously and it just shows also that it's more important for people to value money and other things over women sexual assault, and particularly Black women. And the silence from the show's creators, Ali Wong, Steve Yoon, other people who are particularly involved with him since this has come out, is problematic. He shouldn't have never gotten this far. People should have done their research before casting him. But now that you are equipped with this information, you're on a set, you, you're in a movie with somebody, and you find this out, you think you're going to sit there and be silent? So I'm not. So let me ask you this. He, he's, he's addressed, he addressed the incident after the podcast was re, podcast release. 
came up in 2017 after he's a he's also a he's an artist he's an yeah. artist before he's an actor and he came up in 2017 after a mural he painted was vandalized among the messages tagged on it was the word rapist he released a statement on instagram apologizing for the episode and writing that he has zero history of sexual assault and then and he said, I relate a story of shock value. It made it seem like I had violated one minute. Though I said those words, I did not commit those actions. It did not happen. I'm deeply sorry for any hurt I've brought to anyone through my past words. Non-consensual sex is rape, and it's never been appropriate to joke about. Okay. Um, so there's a couple of things. Uh, let's say that I believe that it didn't happen. There's no reason to. So I don't. But let's say that I did. Okay. I'd still look at him as an incredibly dangerous person because he was um, making, not a joke, he was telling a detailed story about something that got him off. And what was getting him off was this sort of, uh, this sort of, um, this is so fucked up. What was getting him off was rape. He has rape fetish. Uh, I'm not getting into everybody's kinks and all of that stuff like this, but it doesn't seem like this guy is a, is a solid guy or a guy that isn't a threat. Now, having said that, I don't believe it. I think that it happened. I think if you listen to him tell the story, mm -hmm. um, if you listen to him access his memories there, there's no reason to believe that it didn't happen. Like zero to me. Right. Uh, I would never make jokes about having raped anyone. I would never make jokes about having been a pedophile. I would never make jokes about having taken advantage of someone if it did not happen. Uh, I wouldn't do any of that stuff. Right. Um, I don't know if it's fair to lay this at the feet of his castmates. And I don't know Ali Wong and I don't know Stephen Yoon and I don't know anybody involved in beef. But this is this man's proclivities, fuck ups, and all of that. And it doesn't seem to me that it's fair unless everyone knew and ignored it, which seems like it could be true based upon the fact that this had been something that had been volley back and forth. I just don't think that Ali Wong and Stephen Yoon should be made responsible for this. I didn't this say guy. that. That's not what I'm saying. I didn't say they're responsible. I'm operating from the fact that they may not have known this, but you know now, and it's so outrageous. How do you not say something? And maybe I'm being too hard. I'm just such a person. You talked about you caring too much. I'm just such a person. If I feel it, I can't help myself, especially if I'm in proc uh, proximity to it, right? Everybody's praising beef. I, I told Brian last night, oh, we got to watch beef. This is before I even saw this. It's everywhere. It's, it's just all the rage. And then you find this out. I, it's hard for me to believe the people casting him did not know this. Well, we're, we're leaping to a conclusion. It's, I said it's, it's hard for me. But now that you know, fine, let's, I'll give you didn't know before, which just shows you need to do better research of the people that you, you put to represent you and your, your network and your movie. But I don't want to be affiliated or close to somebody who is this despicable. So it would be, I'm just shocked that you haven't even heard a, 
We just learned of the recent events that, you know, um, are from David Cho's past. We just want to come out and say we wholeheartedly don't stand by it, don't agree. So it could be just as general as that. But the silence to me, I just am taking personal maybe okay. because it's a black woman. And I feel like maybe if it was in closer proximity to you, then you would probably... Are you saying that if this were an Asian woman? I'm not going to say that. I'm just saying, and I feel like people, I have, I am saying I particularly am having a, even stronger because it just seems like, man, he's bragging about the fact that he raped this black woman and he got away with it. And it's this whole support black women, believe that black women. And it just, the fact that we're glossing over the sexual assault and, and who it happened to and how it happened. And it was out there in such a public way. And then there's complete silence, almost as if let's protect this successful project that's out there and let's not bring more attention to the fact that this guy is, as I said earlier, a sick fuck. It just seems like they just want this to go away. And I'm not saying that Ali and Steve or whoever else have a bigger responsibility than the, the show. I'm just saying it's interesting that nobody is saying anything. Well, I mean, and his response was to get it taken down. Yeah. His response was to get it taken down because it's something that he has known has been out there for a long time. He's, he, 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 he's known that it's been out there. I'm looking at it right now. And there are a lot of people that feel the way you do that, uh, that the people around him should come out and say something. I'm not saying that they shouldn't say it, but I just, to me, it seems sometimes we, we stop focusing on the issue here, which is the sexual assault which is David Cho, and we start looking for other people to be upset with. I'm not upset with them. I, I understand, but because he's a rapist. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 get what you, I, I get what you're saying. It's, to me, this whole thing is deeply disturbing. I get what you're saying, but, you know, I'm looking at it right now. Everybody is looking, everybody is talking about the fact that uh, they didn't say it. They're 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 pissed, and they say that this is because Stephen Yun and Ali Wong are his friends. Oh, I, I yeah, I don't even know if they're friends. I'm a, I assume they are, but um, I don't know. But all right, it's I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying. It's convenient to say nothing, whether he's your friend, whether you want it to go away because you have the success of the show. And it's not just them. It's Netflix. It's everybody who's affiliated with it. Um, all right. We got one more. Tough show. <laughs> we got one more. We got one more. Stephen, Allie, just distance yourself from Rick. You know, it's, it's good. It's a good move to distance yourself from Ray. Uh, I, I, you know. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm just like, is, I've seen Stephen Yoon speak out before about hate. So I'm just saying, I've just seen them speak out. Let me ask you something here. I've just seen them speak out. Do you feel like, like a lot of people speak out when, a lot of people when speak it out directly impacts them or when it's convenient to them or when it's convenient. So right. I'm just saying he's not one to sit back and like, that's what I was looking up. I'm like, well, has he spoken out? Does he speak out when certain things are happening? Yeah, he has. Can I ask you a question? It's going to seem really petty, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, this is a thought experiment here. Do you see 
a parallel between the admission from this guy that he did this and the admission from Cardi B that she drugged and robbed men when she was a stripper. You see a parallel there? I think they're both wrong. Yeah, a parallel is in they're both absolutely wrong to do. Right. So I'm wondering here, like, in a situation like this, is there a part of people who, I mean, I think that rape is a lot worse than... Sure. Of course. Is, is, is there... Why do you feel like these two... Because you would never... You, you wouldn't say that somebody needed to either boycott Cardi or stay away from Cardi. I didn't say boycott. I didn't even say boycott Ali and Steve. Like, let me be clear. I'm not saying that. Like, they didn't do it. Right. David did it. I'm just surprised at their silence is what I'm saying. But I'm not, I wouldn't tell people to boycott Cardi. That's a talk. When that happened, we didn't even talk about that on this podcast, but I think it's, it's wrong. Way before, yeah. And I think that people should call, like when it happened, if this, if she had told that story and we discussed it, I would, I would be on her. I was like, that's not something that you could brag about. Like we shouldn't just gloss over that. Like that was okay. It's a violation. It's criminal. It's wrong. Like I would have absolutely gone because at it. Because if somebody, because I think it's wrong too, but if someone said you shouldn't do a song with Cardi B or that, or they got mad at somebody had already done a song with Cardi B for not speaking yeah, out about it. Yeah, let's just say Walk came out at the same time that that happened. And then people were looking at Meg the Stallion. And I'd be like, like, girl, if it came out at the same time, I would be like, you should come out and say something. Okay. Because if it was happening, if she did a song with her four years ago, not necessarily. I'm talking about right now. I would absolutely have the same thing. Yeah. Or yeah, same was, energy, I should just say. Just what, uh, what if that person is your friend? What if David Cho is your friend? The, what if friends they, hold friends accountable? I'm gonna fucking call you out. I know, but like what I'm what I mean is this. Calling out is one thing, but let's say this happened. Did I know or did I not know? You didn't know. Okay. Let's say this happened to let's make up a friend, your friend Larry. Because I'm definitely not putting myself in that. Nigga, I ain't done shit. <laughs> Fuck y'all. Let's say Larry. you had a friend named Larry. Okay. You and Larry are super close. Larry is on, he's on extra with you. Okay. This comes out about Larry. How do you handle it? Excuse Jesus me. Christ. Could you hear that? Hell yeah. I'm disgusted You're by disgusted Larry. disgusted by that Larry. Was, this comes out about Larry. How do, you, how do you handle it? Like what? what? I'm, I'm, but I am Larry so, said this back in the day. What do you do? I'm coming out because what I, the last thing that I want is for somebody to think that I am okay with what Larry did. Like, I am okay with the fact that Larry did something that disgusting and I'm going to stand beside him every day knowing what he did was so gross. We were, uh, we were going to New Orleans one time. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this. I'm not going to name any names, but it was the Player Proof Crew. They have brought a Player Proof Crew satellite person. Actually, it wasn't Player Proof Crew. It was a couple of Player Proof Crew people. They bought somebody else that was kind of in the satellite. Right. I was going down to New Orleans and it wasn't the body classic, but it was something different. This dude started talking about stuff. He's like, Yeah, man, get these hoes drunk. Get these hoes drunk. I'm talking sloppy, nigga. Let's get these hoes sloppy. These hoes sloppy, take them back to the and Boom, boom, boom. They get them drunk, get them sloppy, man. We go get some liquor, bring it back to the room. I remember one of my homeboys looked at me. He was like, Hey, bro, when we get down here, we got to leave this nigga. <laughs> that seems correct. It's like it's like if we get down here, bro. We gotta leave this nigga. Like can't have this nigga around, bro. This nigga's talking about jail. This nigga's talking about wild shit. Mm-hmm. This nigga was like, now remember, it's like 
and we, and mm. even then, we are not saints, but even then we understood that when you're around a reckless fire, yeah, that you don't want to get burnt up in. Because the next thing you know, click, clack, niggas in jail and lives are destroyed. Right. Destroy a woman's life and then you go to jail. So it's not like you don't understand these things when you're in these things with your friends that uh, that they're wrong. It's just, there is a part of me that looks at it as like, you know, we're always trying to add more people to the fire. I understand what you're saying. I'm not, you know, we're, we're working yeah. this out in real time. Yeah. We're always trying to throw more people in the fire. Um, but it's hard to argue, even though we just did that whole thought experiment, uh, that they should stay silent on it. The show should distance themselves from it. Um, and really, I think somebody should be keeping an eye on that guy. I'll just be honest with you. Like, if you go back and listen to that story, that's some real... Is. He's a monster. It just... He, he likes rape. So it's, I mean, I didn't say it. I feel uncomfortable. I'm, this whole topic has been uncomfortable for me. It but is I don't uncomfortable. Say. He likes rape. I mean, the dude said he, he likes rape. About it. He said he, he, at one point in the interview, he says, or in the podcast, he says that he's getting hard talking about it. He's just it. getting hard talking. He, he likes rape. I don't, what the fuck you want me to say? The nigga like rape. He like rape. Like, and it was a story. We're supposed to leave it was a story. Or yeah. you were joke. It was I don't a bad know. I'm joke. I'm not trying to be. It was a bad, like nobody laughed. They tried to give you a chance to take it back and you kept going. Yeah. Like she called you out on it and you were like, yeah, and I'm successful with it. Uh, last topic. Uh, the Freaknik documentary is causing all kinds of <laughs> widespread panic. <laughs> to be expected though, right? Why? Listen. Okay. What do all people kind of say around our age? Man, thank goodness social media didn't exist yeah. when we were around. Yeah. I can't imagine being in college or high school, whatever it is, and people can just record any and everything that you do. Right. Or you have access to people in so many different ways. We didn't have that. Right. And so we thought we were free to do more right. because there was no paper trail. Right. There was no documentation. Right. And then here you come almost 30 years later, like I got the tapes. More than 30 years later for some yeah. people, because I forgot, 80s and 90s. 40 years later, you think you're in the clear. No, it's, it's, it's 30, because the first freak, freak Nick was 94. I thought it was, there was something in the, it started in the 80s. It started in the 80s. Well, uh, maybe, the, oh, well, no, it, it started. It started in the, 80s. the last, I think what I heard Naima say was that the last real freak Nick was in the 90s. Like maybe yeah. these tapes is going to be around a particular year, but it started in the 80s. Yeah, okay, you're right. Anyways, you've gone on, you moved on, particularly the people in this lawsuit, you got... 1983. See? Oh, my bad. Oh, my sh shit. 1983. That's 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's 40 years ago. Yeah. You have You got kids, maybe even grandkids. In this lawsuit, there's a judge. I think they said politicians. It's... The fact that it, you didn't, and especially if they were recording from a distance and you, you didn't say, hey, you, can, you have the right to use my image and likeness and all of this. I'm sorry. I would be, if, I was a, if I attended Freaknik, I'd be a part of the lawsuit. 
Really? I would I would be trying to do everything that I possibly could do to not get the footage out there. There's a lawsuit, and it's a group of black women professionals comprised of composed of one politician, three high-level corporate executives, and one judge. They've lawyered up, and they're threatening to sue Hulu in hopes of stopping the documentary's release. One woman, a married mother of three who makes over $1 million annually, believes the documentary shows her in an unflattering light and that uh, there are already videos circulating online she doesn't want her children to see. Okay? Got to call somebody real quick because... They were there. It's not that they were there. We had our own... Say, this is Gino. This is player proof. We had our own... Freaky? Well, not freaky. You went to the Kappa? Gino, you're on the podcast right now. Oh, what's happening, y'all? What's up, um, Gino? Do you still have the pictures from Galveston? Oh, at the Kappa? Lord. At the Kappa Beach Party. You went to the Kappa. Allegedly. 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 Do you still have, do you still have the alleged pics and videos from that era? Um, if they did exist, then I would have them. Gino, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. No, no. See, what I'm what I'm telling you is what I'm telling you is for what we what you mean is precious memories. Well, I guess that'll be the next documentary. The next, oh, oh, it's six feet over working on what, that. What, what you talking about? Precious memories. Back like, to the camera. We went out there and we, we Gino, did we have fun in Texas? We had fun. We I have fun. fun. I never went. Did the ladies have fun in Texas? So. <laughs> yes, the ladies had fun in Texas. Absolutely had fun in Texas. Now, I will say that we did not take part or abuse anybody. Never. Yeah. Wasn't our way. We didn't. Wasn't our way. As a matter of fact, we had to... But we you had, have footage. As a matter of fact, we had to kind of inter- intervene in some of the... Absolutely. We had to kind of... Because sometimes niggas will go too far. Of course they so we, do. So we, we, had to, we, had to, we had to intervene in a couple of situations. But all I'm saying is, it's years later, yeah. If those Gino right here, Walter Gino McLaughlin is a very important activist in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Do you think that anything happened in uh in those videos and photos that you would be embarrassed about right now? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, so sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, look, we 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 was wild, we was young, wild and free. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Nothing embarrassing to the extent that I would feel legally, you know, in peril, or I would feel like people would judge me in a way outside of just being a young man enjoying himself on spring break. Nothing there you like go. That. Nothing but crazy can we like ag- that. can we agree that I think history has shown us that the women would be judged way more harshly yeah. than you. Yeah. Absolutely. So for those women Absolutely. that are in the video, do you think that they would be given the same deference that you would be given as just young men having a good time? No. No. And that's why Absolutely I would be not. a part Absolutely of the lawsuit not. at no. the Freak Knit. No. Thank God I didn't go to the Kappa. No, we we was out there. We was out there. So, so the Kappa comes comes into play because Freak Knit gets shut down and so oh, young black people are, are trying to find another place to go so there's the Capitol Beach there's Daytona all these other places that sprang up and, yeah you know we just migrated to yeah, we just and migrated. so my era our era was that I mean it was it was it went down the Capitol it went, went down, down at the Capitol Beach alright Gino alright brother yeah so let me delete Gino let me tell you let me let, let me tell you something about this this goes back to something that we talked about way earlier on the podcast and what was that okay and I try, I'm trying to help these women. 
these black professional ladies who want to sue Hulu and people I know who made this documentary because they don't want... I tried to help these ladies. And how? Long time ago. I tried to make you guys comfortable with the fact that your mamas sucked dick. Okay, we're... we're, Okay. It's Ashley. I I tried to make you guys comfortable with the fact that your mamas sucked a nigga's dick. Okay? My mama never did. Like, I'm trying to make you, like, what I said earlier, I said Is that this, on the tape? No, what I'm telling you is that these are women it's just, it's just who are professional women, who are mothers, who are good people, and guess what? They showed their asshole in Atlanta. Fuck it. If we weren't, <laughs> if, if we weren't so fucking <laughs> caught up in the purity of people and believing that your mama never got a train ran on her, if we weren't so caught up, if we weren't so held to these puritanical beliefs that your mom's never got it popping, that she never gave a hand job in the jacuzzi, (laughs) that she never twerked on the beach in Miami, Daytona, Kappa Beach Party, South Padre Island, if we weren't so embarrassed that our mothers were Luke dancers, that they worked in the Magic City, that they had a life too, that they, before you came along, your mama used to arch that ass for a nigga and he used to smack that okay. shit. It's you're missing, You're missing it. You're saying us being worried about our moms. Moms are worried. This is how they feel They're about it. They're only worried because we're so uptight. No. The, those women, this stuff right here will come out, right? And... People will look at these women differently. They will look at these women differently. And it's all because we cannot accept that women like to get nasty. I feel so sorry for these women that are ju- the judge, the corporate but America. Why? We shouldn't have to feel sorry for them. Okay. But, and, and I'm telling but you, if we, it comes out, they will use that against them. They will. Them. They will. But that's why, that's why what I'm saying is really... That's why what I'm saying is this is progress, Rachel. When I'm trying to get people, Rachel, this is progress. This is why what I'm saying is progress. Is I'm, what I'm you got, what I said earlier, and it was shocking, and people got all pissed off. But what I'm trying to say is, man, loosen up. These women are scared, and they should be scared because this will become it will come out. And it'll be weaponized against them. Loosen the fuck up. Loosen up. Loosen up. Just get they over it. They did. And look where it led them they, 40 years later. I'm going to tell you straight up. Do- I'm going to tell you straight up. Okay. You should be able to show your asshole in Atlanta in 95 as a woman and then come back and be a judge. You should be able to show that regime. You should. In 95. You should. You, you should. should be able to jack a nigga but- off in the AU. And then come back and do whatever you want to do. You should. But seeing, but because you can't, we need to shut this down. No, this documentary needs to come out. Oh, why? Like, this documentary, you're nasty. Like, That's what like, you like, you're nasty. I kind of do want to see That's y'all mamas break it down. I'm not going to lie. But, but we, this documentary needs to come out. And the reason why this documentary needs to come out is y'all need to let go of this purity shit that y'all got with y'all parents. Y'all need to what let... What you going to do for these women when they lose their jobs? What you mean? Shit. They... Seem like they got more At ways to make money. Them, you know what? What should happen? It if seems they like can't, they got other ways to make bread. It seems 
it seems like if they can't win the lawsuit, they should get some sort of percentage. Let me tell you something the, right now. From the royal, they should get some kind of royalties. These from women was probably born in the seventies. Some of them, some of them maybe the sixties if it's the eighties. But if you if think about it, most of this stuff is probably from the nineties because that's when Freak Nate really got super wild, right? And also that's when the recording. Uh, technology would have been the best to get real good video, right? So most of this stuff is probably from the 90s, all right? So these women were probably born in the 70s. I got it. Look, there's different ways. You could sue, sure. It's bad. Sue if you got to sue. Sue people. Also, man, band together. Freaky Mamas of Freaknik. OnlyFans. Like, take it. It's not going to help them be, We taking it back to 95. Like freaky mamas and freaknik, they probably in their late 40s. They probably still look good. They black women. They all I'm saying is this. Let's, this documentary is important. It's important, man. It's important for people to see what? I, I just this all of this being hung up around sex and okay. sexual expression Gnastic. and shaking that ass Let's go. and all of that stuff is wrong. It's bad. This is why people can't. Fuck who, how they want to fuck and do all kinds of stuff. Don't be hung I up on it. I will agree with you, but it's not going to help these women when hey, it comes to corporate America. I got to go. We got to go. Take your think caps off, but do not stop learning. Let me tell y'all one thing. Y'all mama suck dick, all right? I'm just being for real. I, I don't know what to tell y'all. Y'all mamas, y'all mamas was that freak nick, <laughs> and y'all mamas suck dick. Luke came on, and y'all mamas took all of their clothes off. All of their clothes off. Some, like, all of their clothes. Your mama, you ask your mama where the tattoo on her lower back is. She's, she's like, oh, I just got it when I was in. Wrong. She got that tattoo because Tupac asked her to get it. I'm telling you straight up, let it go. Have a fun time. You out there being a motherfucking all of us. Like, we we be fucking. I'm Rachel Lindsay. <laughs> 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 Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>